Good morning. All right. We are uh, in a series on um, understanding Christmas and been having a lot of fun just kind of going through some meanings, Hebrew meanings of some real popular words at this time of the year. And we started with the word love, and uh, we found out that love means um, to, to give. And the ultimate expression of love is to give oneself for someone else. And we saw how God loves us when he gave, right? He gave his one and only son, and then Jesus showed up, and what did he do? He gave his life for you and for me. And then he challenged us to do the same thing with our life. So love is to give, right? So love is to give. And every time you give a little bit of your time, uh, a prayer, a gift, you know, uh, anything that you're, you're giving away that you could have used for yourself, your time, your energy, your thoughts, uh, your money, your home, your cars, your whatever, anything, and it, it all is you giving that away. That's you giving your life away, investing yourself into other people. Isn't that, isn't that cool? So that's what love is, is giving. And then last week we talked about hope, and hope is a rope. Thank you. <laughs> Hope is a rope, and the idea of hope is what are you tying yourself to? What are you weaving to? And, uh, and what I was uh, and challenging all of us with last week with this idea of hope is that the only true hope that any of us have is that we tie our hope or our rope to God. Our hope is in the Lord, and all of his promises are sure, they're eternal, uh, they're righteous, they're right, and uh, Jesus said not a single little jot or tittle, not a little, not one period, not one, you know, crossing of the T will go unfulfilled. All of the word of God will be fulfilled. You can trust in the Lord. You can hope in the Lord. And so what promises of God are you hoping in, are you holding on to? And uh, the other side of that, though, is that once we link up with God, once we put our hope in the Lord, our trust in God, it's like he ropes us. He ropes us. He's, he, he grips us. And, um, and so God, we're singing this song, uh, The Reckless Love of God. But I was thinking of the word relentless, you know, because I think that word to me, is, it, it's a little bit more in alignment with what that song is about. It's the relentless love of God that chases me down, that never gives up, that breaks every wall that's between me and him. And uh, every morning, the Bible says, every morning, God's grace, his mercy is new towards you. Every single day, every morning. Isn't that good news? So our hope is in the Lord. And those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. That's what the Bible says. But if you hope in anything other than the Lord or his promises, you will be disappointed. Because our hope is in the Lord. And today I want to talk about joy. So everybody try to smile really big. Yeah, practice. The joy of the Lord, as we know, it's a great promise of God in Nehemiah 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength, right? It fills us. It strengthens us. But what does this word mean? So I'm going to try to teach it to you. And this is how you'd pronounce it in, uh, you know, phonetically. And when I capitalize, um, capitalize, that means that's where the accent of the word is. And this is not cha, it's more like uh, Bach. You know the composer Bach? Bach? 
That's the ha. All right? So it's pronounced simcha. So let's try it. Don't spit on Amber when you say this, but just, just try it, okay? Because I know you're an enthusiastic student this morning. So let's try it. Ready? Simcha. Simcha. Okay? So that is the word joy. And uh, joy has four letters in Hebrew. Uh, the first letter is a letter we've seen before, and it's called uh, sheen, okay? And then the second letter, let's see, is the, is the letter mem. So that's where the M comes from. This is a, either an S sound or a SH sound. In this case, it's an S sound. So it's seem. And then the next letter is a, a letter where this, this, this phrase comes from, that, that sound comes from. It's het, het. That's the letter, het. And then we have this same letter that we've had before, which is hey, which is really uh, the grace, but it also represents the breath of God. So um, there's a, the Lord's name in the scriptures that the Jews will never pronounce, and we, we phonetically pronounce it. We sing of his name at times, um, and it's Yahweh. You know, have you ever heard of Yahweh? That's just us trying to put a sound to God's holy name, which is four letters. It's Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, and it's almost like the breath of God is in it. It's like Yah, Va, Yah, Va, and it's the breath of God. And when God uh, uh, changed Abraham's name, and He changed his life, and He changed his destiny, when He changed his name from Abram to Abraham, he added this letter, hey. This is all bonus material for you, okay? So Abram became Abraham, added the H, added the breath of God. And in the beginning, going all the way back to Genesis, when God was forming man, then it says this. He says, and then God breathed into man, and he became a living being. How many of you know when God breathes his destiny into us, that's when we come alive, right? Okay, we're talking about joy, so let's just, you know, just work with me, all right? Joy, yes. So he spoke to Sarai. Her name was Sarai. It became Sarah. Breathed life into her and literally put life into her, right? And she had a baby when she was what, 90 years old? It was a miracle of God, right? God breathed a new destiny into her, and life came from her. Isn't that awesome? So we all want hey in our, in our names, all right? Just, just throw it in there somewhere. All right, so I want to just break this down real quick. If you haven't been with us before and heard about my Hebrew words and stuff, that I, you know, how, how we understand this language, Hebrew has letters, and those letters came from pictures, and uh, it's a three-dimensional language, which really is rich with meaning. And so uh, this doesn't just mean a word, joy. It actually comes from meanings that compose like a whole sentence or a whole paragraph of understanding when you get into these words. So I'm going to break this down for you, and hopefully this will bring some fresh revelation of what joy is all about, okay? Because some people think joy is just a feeling. And we get that feeling in our culture from things. Most of the time in our culture, we're looking for material things or outward circumstances outside of, of internal stuff, right? We're looking for, oh, that makes me happy. 
And so I see all these commercials on TV of people being happy, getting new cars and jewelry and stuff, you know, because it's, it's Christmas time, right? And so we'll be happy because we get stuff that we want, and that'll make me happy, and I get joy, and I can laugh, and I can be satisfied forever, right? No. But that's what we do, right? So if, uh, if things are going well for us outside, out here in our sphere, then we're happy. But if things aren't going well around us outside here, then we're sad, okay? And so a lot of times in our culture, joy and happiness depends on the weather, our, our, you know, our balance in our checkbooks, um, the relationships around us, what day of the week it is, if I'm working or if I got the day off, you know, if I'm feeling good or if I'm feeling sick. And so uh, that's, what, that's what our culture is like, isn't it? Right? Okay, but that's not joy in the scriptures. Let me show you what joy is and where joy comes from. Now, joy actually is a feeling, and it's interesting that God commands us to be joyful. He commands us to be joyful, to experience this, this, this emotion, and so it's interesting when I think about this, that God calls us to be joyful. He commands us to be joyful, but it is a feeling, and so how can we do that? Uh, the Bible says in the New Testament, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. So just think about that word, re-joy. Re-fire up your joy. Re-fire up your joy in the Lord. Be joyful in the Lord. So here we go. This is what this word means, okay? I want to check it out with you real quick. I'll just get this out of the way. It's just getting in the way here. Um, the first letter comes from an ancient picture of teeth, all right? So like, think of uh, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, and, and the understanding of, of this letter often is to consume, to eat, or to destroy and break down, to destroy. That's the meaning I'm going to use for this word, to destroy, to crush, to devour. All right, you with me? This one, mem, comes from the ancient picture of water. And it represents in the ancient world, water always represented chaos, and we see that in the very beginning of Genesis where it says um, the, the earth was formless and with, with, uh, without form. It was uh, dark and there was chaos and, there was, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters or hovering over the chaos. And nothing had yet been formed and no order had been put into place and there was no light yet. But the Spirit of God began to hover over the chaos and then Jesus shows up and he's walking on the water. And he's hovering above the waters. Isn't that cool? And he's hovering above the chaos. And he's above it all. And then he calls us to walk with him on the water. To walk above the chaos. Isn't that good news? That'll preach right there. We can do a whole message on that. We have. We have, by the way. So this is um, to destroy the chaos. You with me? And this right here, het, we haven't done this letter in, in church, I don't think, before. Het represents a wall or a fence or a barrier uh, or something that separates, okay? So it's like this right here is between you and me. You can't see me. There's a wall between us. There's something separating us, and that's what het means, to separate, have a fence or a border or some, some sort of wall. So we have to destroy the chaos 
that separates us from grace. Pay is grace. We've been talking about that a lot. The grace of God. This is cool. So you're thinking about it. I'm letting you think about it for a minute. To destroy the chaos that separates us from God, from his grace, from his love. What separates us from the love of God and the grace of God? Sin. So joy is the removal of that sin that has separated us from God. And we call that salvation. The joy of your salvation. Joy is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who has separated or has broken down the separation between you and God. Now, I know you expected me to say Jesus because this is church. And now you're thinking for a second until we get into this a little bit, okay, yeah, yeah, joy is Jesus. Okay, that's the religious answer. I got you. But it's true. (laughs) And I want to show you how true it is and how cool it is, okay? So we kind of looked at this background, but the chaos between us and God is sin. The Bible tells us this, and it gives us a stark reality check as soon as Adam and Eve sinned. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, The Lord banished him, Adam and Eve, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, which are giant angel warriors, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So we got some Star Wars stuff going on here. You guys uh, getting ready for that next Star Wars? Yeah, baby. Christmas coming around. So we have these cherubim is plural, so we have multiple monster, angelic, angels, muscle dudes with flaming sabers, the double kind. And they're literally cutting mankind off from the tree of life. Listen, sin is a big deal. And we were cut off from the presence of God. We were walking in fellowship with God. We had everything in the garden at ease, all of the fruit of the garden, everything that we needed for life, fellowship with God, walking, talking, the brilliance and wisdom of God pouring out freely to us. We had clear understanding. There was no depravity, no fear, no brokenness, no darkness, no sin, no hatred. All the animals got along. We got along with all the animals. Everything was perfect, and then sin came in, and, and we were kicked out of the garden, right? Why? Because there was a tree in the garden called the tree of life. And the tree of life represents Christ. But in that state, in mankind's fallen state, God did not want us to spend eternity in a fallen, unredeemed state. So he had to remove us from the tree of life. And he offered a tree of life to each and every one of us to be completely redeemed, right? He had to because he's a just God. And so here we have these, the, the separation of God and then we sing this song, Joy to the World. I'd never really noticed that before, but one of the, core, uh, one of the verses said something about um, 
uh, the curse, fire as the curse is found, fire as the curse is found. It's talking about thorns. Uh, all of this stuff happened immediately right there. Joy to the world is talking about the fact that because we were separated from God, a curse fell upon us. Remember, by the sweat of our brow, we will have to now survive. There were no more a garden with all the supplies that we needed. Now we had to toil on the earth. We had to uh, fight with thorns and thistles and sweat. And then there was anger and there was murder, immediately murder in that family. Uh, there was strife, there was jealousy, there was shame, there was guilt, there was brokenness, there was death, there was cursing, there was all kinds of chaos, and the chaos returned. And so now this world is, is uh, the, the, another one of our hymns, uh, Christmas hymn says we're uh, pining in sin, and the world was in this dark, fallen place, and then joy to the world. Why? Because the angels showed up and said, I got some good news That'll bring great joy to all the people today in Bethlehem. A Savior has been born. What is the joy? The joy is a Savior has come. And what does the Savior do? He saves. He delivers. And he restores what was taken and what was lost. And so this is what the Bible says in the New Testament in Colossians. It says, when you were dead in your sins, when you were separated from God, and the uncircumcision of your, of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. So here's the barrier between you and God, right? And the Bible says Jesus dealt with this barrier. He canceled it. He broke it. He destroyed it, which stood against us and condemned us. And he took it away. He took it away. There's no longer any barrier between you and God he eliminated the separation. He literally, as we, we think of that old picture of a cliff with this giant chasm, and Jesus literally made a bridge. No longer was there this gap between mankind and God that we could never, you know, never uh, breach, but it was Jesus became the link, right? He bridged the gap. He eliminated the separation. He eliminated the barrier. And 1 John 3, 8 reminds us the reason that the Son of God appeared, the reason Jesus came, was to destroy the devil's work, okay? So I'm just setting the scene here before we talk about joy of what we're, where we're going with this is that, that our salvation and Jesus and the work of Jesus is the source of our joy. And um, joy is when you begin to come back into fellowship with God and the sin and the barriers that, that are between us in his presence are dealt with and removed, and you come closer to God. That brings joy, okay? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to show that to you. Um, so joy is really defined in the context of salvation. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, here's our, our Christmas story a little bit. It says uh, these, these three wise men were, were coming to the king, and he's trying, they're trying to figure out where the baby was born, and the king didn't know anything about it. So it says this in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. Now we're about to see the first time in the New Testament where the word joy is used. And it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. First time. In the, in the context of this, 
is they are finding Jesus. Joy came when they found Jesus. They were overjoyed. This is the first mention of joy in the, in the New Testament. And I, I mentioned this before, but anytime you see the first mention of a word or a concept in the Scripture, you need to really seriously study the context because the context is trying to tell you what that word really is all about. And what this is all about is these guys were searching and searching and searching for Jesus, for the Messiah. They had studied the Scriptures. They, had, they were alert, and by the Spirit, they were being led that the moment has come in history. These were wise men. These were scholars. These were people who were studying the Scriptures and, and prophecies, and they came searching. They knew it was going to be in Bethlehem. They came to Bethlehem, but they saw his star somehow. I don't understand all this, but they saw his star, and when they found where the star came to rest, somehow, I don't know how you do that, but when they did, the Bible says they experienced joy over the top. Joy! We found him! We found him! We found him! He's here! Can you imagine? Can you imagine searching, traveling, studying years, and then it comes to pass, and you're right there, and you're the first ones to find him? And you found Jesus. They found Jesus. Listen, the source of your joy is going to be finding Jesus. It's going to be in his presence, getting to him, getting to him, being in his presence. Is going to be the source of your joy. And what's really cool about this is that you can do this regardless of what day of the week it is. And you can do this even if it's cold outside. And you can do this even if you're not feeling 100%. And you can do this even if you don't have any money in your bank account. And you can find Jesus at any moment, anywhere at any time, and have joy. And have joy over the top. Over joy. Overjoyed. Okay, so this is the idea, okay? I'm, I, and I want to break this down so it's not so just, you know, religious sounding, but it becomes more practical. I'm going to give you some practical ways to increase your joy, okay? So now here's an awesome uh, passage of Scripture. I've had this memorized because it's a song in Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. And I'm going to ask you to meditate on these verses this week and try to memorize them. And if you know the song, you already have it memorized. And I'll just sing the song. You want to sing it with me? <laughs> Create in me a clean heart. Anybody know this one? Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. Then it goes on to say, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew, renew a right spirit within me. This is what's so cool about this verse. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So in Hebrew, what that looks like is joy of your salvation. Salvation in Hebrew. Does anybody know what the word for salvation is in Hebrew? Remember, anytime a pastor asks you a question, just say, Jesus! Yes! Isn't that awesome? 
Jesus is Yeshua, and Yeshua means the Lord saves, or it means salvation. Restore to me the joy of Jesus, who is salvation. Isn't that awesome? In the Old Testament, when the Jews are reading and sometimes they're praying some of these verses, they're actually saying a form of the word Yeshua. They're actually saying that and not even knowing that they're talking about a person, Jesus. It's not just a word. It's a person. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. So the Bible tells, and the psalmist, David, says, Restore to me the joy of Jesus Restore to me the joy of your salvation, God. Because joy comes from our salvation. From, from having a restoration coming out of a cursed life, a broken life, a, a, a death sentence, back into fellowship with God, back into healing, back into deliverance, back into life to the full. That's what salvation is. Salvation isn't just, you've been really, really bad, and now you get a second chance. No. No, that's not... That's not what salvation is. Salvation is you're dead, broken, got nothing. Now you're alive. You got everything. You got eternity with God. And their salvation means healing, means freedom, means deliverance, means forgiveness, means all of that. You're back into fellowship with God. You're a child of God. Woo! All right. So you got to be thinking about that kind of stuff. And so then the angel said that, you know, this whole great joy for all the people uh, in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so joy is a person, and his name is Jesus, right? So joy is a person, but I also want to say that joy is also about the presence of God. These, are, these things are not in your notes. These are just coming to me this morning as, as I was reviewing everything. Joy is, is a person. But joy is the presence of God. The joy of the presence of God is when we come into his presence. And I don't know, uh, Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You will fill me with joy in your presence. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Psalm 21 6 says, Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. And when we come into this time of worship every week, uh, we are to be filled. We are to be expecting to be filled with the joy of the Lord. How many of you uh, feel better after you go to church? And sometimes that joy comes from a song, maybe something that the Lord is speaking through the message, uh, maybe through a person and people that you're interacting with, maybe through an answered prayer or just God speaking to your heart, but there's just an atmosphere of joy. And God fills you with joy when you get into his presence. Um, so when I think about heaven, I don't know about you, but if I, if I had to just pick one word to describe heaven, the first word, this is, this is true for me, the first word that came to my mind when I asked myself this question was joy. When I think of heaven, I think of a couple things, but the first thing I think of is joy. It is going to be just filled with joy. Joy. I think of light. It's going to be bright. It's going to be light. It's going to be really good. It's going to be light. It's going to be joy. And it, uh, there's going to be peace. Um, there's just going to be explosions of pure joy and happiness. 
Why? Because we are in the presence of God and there is no longer any tears, any regret, any hurt, any brokenness, any sickness, any poverty, any weird barriers between people. There's no more any of that stuff. There is nothing at all that is a barrier any longer between you and God. Nothing. There's nothing. And when the barrier between any barrier between you and God is removed, the result is joy. Is joy. And to the degree that you have joy is the degree to which you begin to start experiencing the freedom that God has for your life. The freedom. Because the barriers have been removed. You're in the presence of God. And you can have that right now. You can have that right now. So it's not just the person. It's being in the presence of God. The joy of God. And for the believers, I just want to say the most prominent action of a believer, of a, of a person who is, who is saved, a Christian who is loving God and, and seeking God, the most prominent action of a believer is love. And the most prominent emotion of a believer is joy. Love and joy. And if you had anybody, you know, trying to describe you, the best thing they could say about you was they love and they're just joyful. Those, those two things. The, it's, joy is a hallmark of a person who is living in the freedom of God, who's living under grace, who's experienced a transformation. Joy, joy, joy. So we want some joy. We don't just want the joy. We want joy because of what it means just happened in our lives. Because joy is a result of barriers being smashed down, sin, insecurities, fears, addictions, things that are barriers to you and being completely in the presence of God. And as those barriers are smashed, something happens to you. It's called joy. Joy, the joy of your salvation. And uh, that's what I want to get into uh, right now. So the third thing I want to share with you is it's a person, it's the presence, and it is, a, it is a process. Joy is a process, and I want to share that with you, okay? So here's the, uh, here's the process. There's a couple, there's like over a dozen words in Hebrew that speak to the idea of happiness and joy. Uh, and so simcha is the main one, but another prominent word um, I want to try to teach you very shortly, very quickly is samach, samach, and it's uh, three letters, it's very similar to the other, uh, so the only difference is it doesn't have the, the extra letter at the end, samach, so instead of simcha, it's samach, okay, but there's another word just like it, this word here means happiness, happiness. Now, if we change that letter there, the very first letter, we change that letter uh, to, and this is a tough letter to even understand, but it's called Tsadi, and it's pronounced like a T-S. It's exactly the same, except this one letter is different. It's Tsamak. The other one is Samak. It's a soft C. This is a hard, it's a soft S. I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. Samak is the top one. It's a soft S. The bottom one is a hard S. It's a tss, tss, like a T-S, tsamak. Hardly any difference if you don't 
no Hebrew, and someone said those two words to you, you wouldn't even know the difference. You wouldn't even be able to hear the difference. And this word means growth. And I was doing some studying on this. It also means, um, it means to, uh, like, be, what's the word, fruitful? Spring forth. Spring forth. So kind of like to, to be fruitful. And so the Jewish understanding of happiness is to grow. This is the Jewish understanding of happiness. How do you get happy? You grow. You grow. Let me just give you an example. When you begin to improve yourself, anytime you improve yourself, you feel happy. Has anybody ever experienced that? You decided, hey, I'm going to make a change. And you made a change for the better, and what did you feel? Hey, you feel good about it. You feel good, right? So the Jewish idea of this growth, and now I want to take it to a spiritual Jewish concept, is that you're growing in alignment with God, all right? So you are growing into alignment with God's will and God's way for your life. That's just called uh, sanctification. That's just lining up with the truth of who you already are. And so the Jewish understanding is every time you let another barrier, you push down another barrier, through the help of God, another barrier is removed, and you're a little bit more in alignment with God, you experience happiness and joy. So it's not just a person. It's not just getting in the presence of God. It's also a process of you becoming more like Jesus. And when you become more like Jesus, you experience joy. So let me just give you some observations I've made as a pastor over the last 20 years. Every time a significant group of our congregation has gone through a cleansing stream retreat in the past, or a freedom weekend, or uh, a, what's the women's thing called, the Princess Warrior, or a Man Up Conference, or a marriage conference, or we've done some sort of some event, every time we've done something like that, the next Sunday that we gather together, there is a higher level of joy. It is tangible. Why? Because we got in the presence of God, and at all of these types of events I just described, we dealt with some stuff. And we let God remove some barriers in our hearts. And some of it was messy and difficult. And there were things in our lives that we were ashamed about or really hurting with or really upset about. And somehow we got to a point where we trusted God. We cracked open, you know, the safe of our, of our heart and of our really inner workings. And we exposed that to God. And God took that away and put in what? Freedom and joy. And every time you do that, every time you let God help you come in alignment with him, the result is joy. Am I, am I speaking to anybody out there? And yet we think that we should hold on to that stuff because we're afraid, because we're ashamed, because what will people think? Or I'm just not worthy. And, I'm, and we beat ourselves up, and the devil does all that to us all the time. And he keeps us, the barrier keeps us from God, keeps us from experiencing grace, keeps us from experiencing freedom, keeps us from experiencing joy. And so then we try to just do all these quick fixes that don't last and they don't work. 
Because joy is Jesus and becoming like Jesus and being in his presence and to remove and to grow and to become more in alignment with who God is. Okay? So here's a phrase I was thinking about. Do good and feel good. Do bad and feel bad. Pretty interesting. Pretty simple. Let me, I'm just trying to relate this to you. When you make choices in your life and you know that they're the good choice, not the easy one, but it's good, it's the right thing to do, and you do that, what do you feel? You feel good. Even if it was hard, you feel good. When you do bad, you know you shouldn't or you know you should and you don't, and you do bad, whether that's not doing something good that you ought to do or whether you're just doing something bad, how do you feel? You feel bad. I was thinking about this this morning. I always drink coffee, and I'm like, I got to hurry up. You know, we're running a little bit late this morning. I got to hurry up and brush my teeth because I got some bad breath. I probably still do because, you know, and I brush my tongue. I learned that from Dwayne Vickerman. Uh, so I'm brushing my tongue, you know, trying to get rid of that coffee stain in my mouth. And I was thinking about that with sin. Every time I sin, sin has a terrible aftertaste. And it sticks with you for a while. Have you noticed that? In the midst of our sin, there's some temptation or there's some desire that's getting the best of us uh, in those moments. But as soon as the dastardly deed is done, there's an immediate, terrible aftertaste in our soul. Have you noticed that? And the aftertaste of doing good or aligning ourselves with God is always good. And I was thinking about the opposite. Have I ever regretted doing something good? You know, get, okay, I overcame sleepiness and tiredness and busyness. I made it to church, got to church, God showed up, this, da, 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 da. Man, I wish I wouldn't have gone to church today. What, I mean, do you, ever, do you ever say that? Man, I wish I wouldn't have raked that person's yard. I wish I wouldn't have helped somebody. I wish I wouldn't have been so loving and kind to that person. I never say that. I've never said that. I don't know about you, but I don't, when you do something good, there's never this aftertaste of regret. There's never this, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have been so nice. You know, man, I, I wish I wouldn't have been around all those happy people this morning. You know, I wish I would have slept in and got up and just played video games and wasted my whole morning. That's what I wish I would have done. No. I mean, we don't, we don't think that way, but we, wouldn't, we don't think that way, do we? But we do the opposite when we feel bad. We, we do. We live with this. Uh, aftertaste of shame and regret and guilt, and we feel bad. Now, I'm just talking in general here, right? This is how we experience life. And God did that for us for a reason. Because when we do good, we actually are wired then to feel good. And God, all of his commands, all of his commands, are for our benefit. All of them. And so when we do God's commands, he also makes us feel good about it, but it also produces life. It springs forth. It springs forth. 
good things in us. Is this making any sense to you at all? That's why I'm so adamant about this is not, I say this all the time because I came out of this bad thinking. This is not a rule book. This is a life book. And God, he rewards you when you, when you do what's good. There's a natural, he just wired us this way. It's not like he's picking and choosing. It's like when we walk in fellowship with God, when we walk in fellowship with this truth, there is just, it's automatic, you feel good. You feel good. You feel happy. You feel joy. And you're, you're proud of yourself, but it also, it just feels good. Even if it was a hard thing that you had to do. Maybe you had to make amends with somebody. Maybe you had to have a conversation with someone you didn't want to have, or maybe you had to stay a little late or put a little extra or whatever, but you do the right thing, and afterwards there isn't regret, there isn't shame, there isn't guilt, there's joy, there's happiness, there's a contentment to it. And you're like, ah, I did it. I did that. I did the right thing there. You see what I'm saying? And so when we align ourselves with God, with his help, with his Holy Spirit's help, so there's this guy named David Lappin. He's a rabbi. Some of you know, know him or heard of him. He's a, he's a really cool teacher. And he told this story about when he was a child, uh, his mom came up to him and said, you need to be happy. And he said to her, I will be happy if you buy me a new bicycle. And those words weren't hardly out of his mouth, and he obviously got slapped across the face. And he's like, whoa. She says, He's like, what happened? What, what'd you do that for? She says, don't you ever do that again. He's like, what did I do? She said, you try to make me responsible for your happiness. She said, nobody is responsible for your happiness except you. And so the Jewish understanding of happiness and the command to be happy or to be joyful is an individual lifestyle and decision that each of us is responsible for. Nobody else is responsible to make you happy. You can't do that. That's not fair. It's not their job. Because happiness is not out here. Joy is not out here. It's here. It's in here. It's in here. And it's in your uh, awareness, current position with God. Are you are you in his presence? If you are, there's joy. Is there a barrier? Then break the barrier. Ask God to break the barrier, and there will be joy. But if you put a barrier between you and God, if there's sin there, not that you're not forgiven because Christ has forgiven us, but there's a barrier, and you're going to be suffering with guilt or regret or shame, and you're not going to be feeling joy because there's a barrier. Do you see what I'm saying? And so joy is the removal of all barriers, and you're into the presence of God, and you're with Jesus. That's joy. That's where you'll always find joy, is run to God, run to him. And so the good news is you're not in this alone. The Bible says he, God, who began a good work in you, will finish what he started in you. It is God who is at work in you to help you will and help you do what is according to his good pleasure. Isn't that great news? It's like God jumps into us, says, come on, man, let's go. Holy Spirit is here to help us walk into the truth of God's word in his life for us. So he jumps in there with us, and he's constantly spurring us on, come on, we got this. Let's go, we can do this. And so it is with the power of the Holy Spirit that we can walk in alignment with God. And when we walk in alignment with God, we have Joy. 
So joy uh, is all about us walking in in alignment with him. And, and so John chapter 15, Jesus says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Okay, this is a good thing. Jesus says, in another passage, he says, if you love me, you'll obey what, what I command. Here he says, if you stay in alignment with my commands, you will, are staying in, in alignment with the love. As the Father's loved me, so I love you. Uh, I do what the Father says to do. You do what I say to do. You'll remain in my love. There won't be any separation. There won't be any brokenness of fellowship. You'll remain in the vine with me. He's talking about this vine. He says, just as I've kept my Father's commands and I remain in his love, so you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. We'll have this fellowship together. And he says this, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. So he says, I'm telling you this. This is how you live a joy-filled life. Stay with me. Follow my commands. You'll be filled with my love. You'll have joy. Now, he's not saying this out of a, you better do this or else. You see that you can look at the, these kinds of things two different ways. What kind of pair of glasses are you looking through? Are you trying to measure up to God or are you trying to receive his love? Okay? You see what I'm saying? So Jesus, I told you this so that, so that what? So you won't go to hell and you won't be cursed and you won't, no, so that you can have joy. I'm trying to show you how to have this abundant life I've made possible to you. Because salvation is more than just your sins being forgiven. It's so that you can right now have the presence of God right in your life, joy in your heart. You can have the wisdom of God. You can have healing, freedom, and you can continue to see these barriers breaking down. Right? That's why the Bible says work out your salvation. Work it out. But the very next breath, the very next sentence says, it is God who is at work in you to help you will the right things and to help you do the right things so you're not alone. It's not like God says, you better do this. He's like, work it out, but God, I'm in you. I'm with you to do this. But as we do this, you're going to experience joy. Pretty cool. Pretty good deal. If you do what's best for you, not only do you experience joy, but you get the blessings of walking in the commandments that bring life to all of us. So I want to give you a, a, just a sampling of some of the promises of God that come with this. One is today, everybody give yourself a nice little proud tap on the shoulder. Say, good job. Because this is about honoring the Sabbath. Honoring the Sabbath. This is one of the commands of God. In fact, it's one of the top ten, right? Ten commandments. But listen to the promise. This is pretty cool. Listen to the promise of God. If you honor the Sabbath, if you walk in this part of your life in alignment with me and you, you line up with this truth that I'm trying to share with you every week I want to meet with you, every week you show up. I'm showing up. You show up. Let's get together. That's the Sabbath. We're going to make this day special. We're going to come into the presence of God with the other believers. That's what the Sabbath is. God says, if you do this, Check this out. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, this is Isaiah 58, 13 to 14, and from doing as you please on my holy day, 
if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor this day, if you delight in this day, and if you honor it by not giving your own way, going your own way, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He's like, you show up on Sundays, and you will have the joy of the Lord. And you'll have a triumphal a week, triumphant week, week. How many of you like that promise? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord in a triumphant week. And God will just bless you. He will bless you. He will fill you. So, so many people don't understand because they think coming to church is what they should do. Like they ought to do. Like they're supposed to do. But that doesn't motivate people. That doesn't keep people motivated. What you ought to do, what you should do, da 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 But when you start to understand all of the commands of God are for our benefit, and he has put his spirit in us to help us align ourselves with that, that there might be life in us, joy in us, favor, blessing upon us, then it's a whole different thing. It's like, get out of the way. There's free joy being given out today, and I'm getting it. Free joy. If we looked at joy like a pile of money, we'd be like, get out of the way. I'm coming. There's, there, every Sunday, they hand out piles of free money. Woo! Well, listen, we think of money as joy. But there's free joy being handed out here. Every Sunday. Free joy. The joy of the Lord. It's like one of those things that people should be knocking the doors down to get in. Because I was at, I was, we were doing Christmas shopping and we were going to the, we were at Genesee Valley Mall with my wife. What was it? Macy's? We we're walking into Macy's from the outside. And I just, I just had the second where I'm looking, I open the door for her, and I'm like, one, two, three, four. Why do they have eight doors? They have eight doors just coming in the side of this mall. Why do they have eight? And I said, Amy, why do they have eight doors? I've, I've been to Genesee Valley my whole life. I know they have. But it just hit me. Why do they have eight doors? These got to be expensive. Eight glass doors. Double doors. She's like, well, because when there's a sale on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. That's what we should have. We should have to have eight doors to this church because there's a free, free joy being given out every, every Sunday. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, here's, I, I got to wrap things up. But here's just a sampling of how I look at the Word of God now uh, differently. Okay, here's a sampling. This is just a, a quick list I want to give you. Because um, the Sabbath is a tool that God has given us for our joy, for our victory, and for our prosperity. Tithing is a tool that God has given us for our financial blessing. Communion is a tool that God has given us to access our healing and our deliverance. Weekly or anytime, anytime you have communion. It's just an access point for healing and deliverance and forgiveness. Forgiveness is a tool that God has given us. The practice of forgiving others for your deliverance and for your healing. It's a tool God has given you. It's the only way that you can heal from hurt is to forgive. That's the only thing that you can do is to forgive. It's a tool that God has given us, the tool of forgiveness. Um, the Word of God is a tool that God has given us 
for refreshing and saving our soul. It saves and it refreshes our soul, the Word of God. Okay, right here. Prayer is a tool that God has given us to be able to walk in peace at all times. It's not something you have to do. It's just if you want peace, if you want miracles, if you want answers, then do it. If you don't need answers, you don't need peace, you don't need any help. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? This isn't a religious duty or activity. This is how we prosper in life. We come to church not because we have to come to church, but because, hey, we need some joy. We need some fellowship. We need some love. We need some wisdom from heaven. We need the presence of God. And so the body, the church, is a tool that God has given us for our maturity and our well-being. So let's just think about this. If we don't honor the Sabbath, we don't trust God with our tithe, if we don't exercise communion and faith, if we don't forgive anybody who's hurt us, if we don't meditate on God's word, if we don't pray because we're too busy, if we don't speak words of life, if we're not engaged and committed to the body of Christ, what do you think your life will look like if you don't do any of that stuff? So we're not doing it because we're supposed to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? These are all the tools that God has given us that we might have abundant life together. Together. Joy comes from him and honoring him. And so uh, we are overcomers as we do that. And uh, remember the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus started that sermon by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are those who are being persecuted. Blessed means to be happy, to be enviably happy, to be sitting next to someone so happy that you're envious of them. Why are they so happy? It's not fair. I want to be as happy as that person. That's what blessed means. You are enviably happy, and everybody around you is jealous of your happiness and your joy. And Jesus said, blessed, 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 blessed. Happy, 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 happy. Okay? And he's preaching a sermon, and he's in chapter 5. And that sermon goes all the way through chapter 5 and chapter 6, and he's telling you the difference between the law and the grace of God. And then he gets to the very end of chapter 7, and he does this little tiny parable, little tiny story. And we've talked about it a lot. It's the parable of the wise man and the foolish man. And he said, whoever listens to these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And though the storms came and the rains came and the winds blew and the floods rose, his house stood firm on the rock. Right? And so the joy of the Lord is literally building your life in fellowship with God and aligning your life with him. And my prayer for you and for me is that God will continue to remove the barriers that we have. We all have some. The Bible says that we're always working our salvation out, not working out whether or not we're forgiven of our sins, not that part of the salvation. The part of salvation that entails us, you know, being free from fears and insecurities, being free from the old patterns and the old uh, curses spoken over us or we spoke about ourselves, being you know, sanctified and set apart. It's that process. And every time we take a step closer to God, every time one more thing is removed, we experience a greater depth 
of that freedom and that joy that the Lord has for us, right? Joy is not found in a box, right? It's not under some wrapping paper. Joy is Jesus. Joy is Jesus. So would you stand with me? I want to close this in prayer. I know the worship team is going to come on up here and lead us in a final song. And the obvious uh, application today is to let God continue to remove anything that is a barrier in your life. So through prayer and through counsel with other people, close people, and through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God, that's how you do that. That's how you do that. And I want to start that process with you right now, okay? Would you bow your heads, please? I want to pray for us this morning. First of all, there is the great barrier that needs to be breached in all of our lives, and that is to decide to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. And I know most of you in this room have already done that, but I'm not sure about everybody, but I want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to get right with God this morning. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever wondered what brings joy to God? What brings joy to God? Because we just talked about what we want, you know, how we get joy. You know what brings joy to God? Your salvation. The same thing. It says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? Your redemption. Getting you back into the family. The Bible says, when a sinner turns back to God, I don't know if they blow a horn or what they do, but all of heaven rejoices. The angels start celebrating with God. And with the sun. And I think there's a giant standing ovation that takes place in heaven. You know, have you ever been in a hospital when a baby's born? And some of those, all of a sudden, like, maybe like little baby music comes on or something. And everybody celebrates. I don't know if you've ever been, all of a sudden, people here are like, oh, oh. Some people are like, a baby is just born for somebody, right? But when you are born again, heaven blows a trumpet. They are going crazy. Because that's, why Jesus came, that none would be lost, right? but all would be found in him. And so if you're not sure where you are, then you're not where you need to be. And you can be sure right now. And I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me to make Jesus the Lord of your life, okay? All right, if that's you, I just want you to just identify your decision this morning by lifting your hand and saying, Pastor, that's me. I am walking out of this place sure because I'm going to pray this prayer with you to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there anybody here that needs to make that decision today? Just lift your hand high so I can celebrate that with you. Okay, then we're all saved. I'm praying that we're all saved. That's what I'm believing. But we're all being saved. And so now, our ministry time is this. Listen, let's break down those barriers. We can't do it on our own. Jesus is the only one who's ever defeated sin. You can't do it, but he can. And he will. He's done it. He will do it. He's in you. And he's with you. But there's this idea of bringing it out into the light, giving it to God, and, and admitting it, and saying, God, I, I, I've been tr- struggling with this. Not that he doesn't know. But I've been struggling with this, and now, Lord, I'm inviting you in to this area of my life because I want to be free. Right? So that I'm not going to make you do anything awkward or anything. I just want you to identify that this morning. And then begin to talk to God about it. 
and he may lead you to talk to somebody else about it. And then you have a humble heart and you begin to seek God and you seek his word. And we're going to be giving you some tools in the future. It's really exciting. Celebrate Recovery is coming in January. And that's going to be a great process for you to go through. And in the meantime, right now, it's just, God, this is where I'm at. He knows, but God, I need help. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to take your, your help here. And I'm willing to turn this over to you. Set me free. Change me. Help me. And he may lead you to talk with somebody. Uh, he's going to lead you to some verses that will begin to help you. You can talk with an elder or pastor, whatever. You know, but, but this is between you, right? You're the one that's responsible for your happiness. So go after God. It's in him. Okay, and if you're ready to start that process, if there's something right now in your heart, and then just lift your hand, and we're just going to pray a prayer over all of us right here where we are, okay? If there's something on your heart right now that you know, hey, God, I'm just giving this to you today, just lift your hand right now, and let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you, the source of our joy. As the wise men found the star, they were overjoyed. Lord, may we continue to every day refine you, Jesus. May you restore to us the joy of Jesus, the joy of our salvation. May you help us lift our eyes to the one who saved us. May you help us to gaze upon you, Lord, and to just celebrate in the goodness of God over our lives. And God, today, for those barriers in our lives, whatever they are, we bring them to the light to you, Lord. We give them over to you and ask, oh God, Jesus, save me, deliver me, smash through this wall, break this barrier down, refire my brain, let me think differently, let me come into, walk into the wisdom and knowledge of God in this area of my life. Lead me to the scriptures. Lead me to uh, the transformation that I need. I surrender my heart to you and I repent, Lord. I change my mind. I choose to follow you. I choose to trust in you. I choose to align my life with your ways that I might experience freedom, wholeness, healing, and joy. May the joy of the Lord be our strength, God, as we turn our, our lives over to you. May your joy just be just overflowing through us this week. Help us, Lord, to find your presence all day long, to walk in fellowship with you. And may you continue to do that great work you began to do in us until it is completed. And we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you for all the victories, Lord, of the past. And thank you for the victories coming. Thank you for the promise today that you said just because we honor the Sabbath, You would fill us with the joy of the Lord, and you would give us a triumphant week this week. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, isn't Hebrew good? Let me bless you guys, okay? And now that you know a little bit about Hebrew, the actual Hebrew blessing by the rabbis would be given like this, in the form of the letter Sheen, which is the name of God which God is putting his name on you, and so they would go like this as they bless the people. you guys mind if I do it like that today? All right. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his peace in his name. Amen. Amen. The Lord is with you.